stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition, yawn and stretch and try to come to life. Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping, out on the streets the traffic starts jumping, with folks like me on the job from nine to five. Hello and welcome to 9 to 5 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Cage, and I'm by panel with Elliot Good, Robert Comer's High Comer. This week's show includes discussion of the Raptors relieving Coach Dwayne Casey, an NHL playoff recap, and a new game for the panel during the seventh inning stretch. But we begin today's showdown. We begin today's show with the showdown in the Western Conference Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. Guys, the Warriors took game one in Houston despite 41 points from James Harden. So what do you take away from the first game of the series? And did Houston need to win that game to have a chance of taking down the defending champs? Elliot, we'll start with you. Um, my takeaway from this is this is your NBA Finals right here. I think one of these two teams will be your NBA champion. I don't see LeBron or the Celtics being a match for either of these teams. I think they're just far and above the better teams they have been all season. As you could see, Kevin Durant was unconscious in Game One. Oh, he, my God, he couldn't seem to miss. Whether it was PJ Tucker, Trevor Ariza, yep. who got in foul trouble, which may have hurt, but he he was just incredible. He reminded us, I believe, that he is a top two or three player in the NBA. Absolutely, one of the better playoff performances that I remember seeing. Absolutely, just shooting the ball. Mm-hmm. He didn't do much else, but he shot the ball incredibly well. Like you well. said, on everybody, different moves. Uh, and not just taking it to the basket, jump shots, just tough mid-range jump shots. Yeah, yeah. Um, Clay Thompson really took advantage of the mismatch of being defended by James Harden or mm-hmm. whoever was trying to guard him. He lit it up from three. Steph Curry still doesn't look like himself to me, though. A uh, bit worrisome there. Hopefully he'll figure it out the rest of the series. But no surprise, Draymond Green mixed up in the action early and often, getting a technical within the first minute of the game. Yep. <laughs> no surprise there. Scuffle with James Harden, I think, after a made basket. Yes, and probably should have been ejected as he was running his mouth continuously even after getting the technical. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> as for the Rockets' side, James Harden was awesome as he has been all season. Chris Paul played pretty well. But I think the Rockets need to find themselves a third scorer. Eric Gordon made some shots late, but early he just looked uncomfortable and not in a rhythm. I think they may need to get him the ball a little bit more early to get him in a flow. But as far as it being a must-win for the Rockets, I don't think that was, but I think Game 2 is. They go down 0-2, going back to Golden State, it's over. So that would be my takeaway from this Game 1. All right. Ty, what do you think about the series between the Rockets and Warriors? Well, I didn't think it was a need to win Game 1. It's a long series. Seven-game series is a long series. Uh, The things that Elliot was saying were all correct, but... Uh, the thing that scares me the most, and, and we've talked about this with the Warriors ever since they've assembled this team, mm-hmm. is that, okay, I would say normally, well, Kevin Durant's not going to shoot the ball like that every night. Right, true. But the problem is, he doesn't have to. <laughs> He'll have Draymond, who will have an occasional good scoring night, but then you've got the other guys, such as Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. And I know you're saying that he's not the same right now, but, I mean, Steph's going to be fine. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna score his his points. He's gonna get twenty every night, just about I think. And um, even if he hasn't been doing it right now, I think he, he'll get back to where he's doing that uh, in the near future. But um, so that's what's worrisome to me is that the Rockets didn't play that poorly offensively. Um, and I think a big third option for them would be Clint Capella. I, I don't understand why teams haven't 
really just going after that. What do they call that? The death, the death five. Lineup. The death lineup. Mm-hmm. Charles and Shaq point that out on TNT all the time. I don't understand why people don't just just bulk up on them. Yeah, you they, know they've got Clint Capella who at the very end of is uh, it a defensive thing? Like if you bulk up, does that mean that you're going to be too slow to play defense with them? Or I, mean, I think you're afraid you're going to be giving up. Three twos. I think that's that's the D'Antoni theory, I believe. Well, and here's the here's the big thing for me is it's hard to run transition offense on made baskets. Yeah. If you if you pound it in down low, Clint Capella makes a basket. It's tough to start your. It's tough to generate your offense from that. Somebody at this table I've seen can run fast breaks off of made baskets on two K. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. Rob, yeah. Robbie, well, I, I see. I saw the Pelicans do it this postseason. I think Robbie and Mike uh, D'Antoni may be related. Oh yeah! <laughs> well, we get along just fine. Defense is important in quotation marks, but uh, if you get a shot off when there's ten or more seconds on the shot clock, there's no problem with that in that offense. But what you were saying, Ty, about the the death lineup. Your approach as a head coach to fight that would be to bulk up in spurts. I don't think you run that the entire game because I mean, obviously the bigger guys get tired earlier, but at the same time, you got to try that at some point, right? I mean, well, they even have, if it's they just have for, to defend you also, so right. it's it's a two way street. Absolutely, and it looks like they're trying to fight fire with fire. So their GM came out and said, you know, every move, every transaction that they've made, acquiring Chris Paul, dumping Dwight Howard. Everything that they've done within the past two or three years is to try to take down this team. So are they trying to be more like the Warriors to fight fire with fire here? Because if that's the case, I'm not sure if that's the way to go either because I don't think you can get your fire as hot as the Warriors have there. So is that the approach that you have to do? Is that the only way to beat them is to try to make a team like that? The only way to do it is with LeBron. And teaming him with somebody. Well, they they're not going to have LeBron this year. Honestly, next year. Honestly, who's to say what it is? Because we haven't seen this exact team, this exact Warriors team, be be beaten yet. Okay, so we don't, so we don't know what it takes. You're Mike D'Antoni. What do you do game two to get your get your team to have a chance, especially on the defensive end? Because that's what seemed to be their main struggle. I start a big lineup. I've got Chris Paul and James Harden in there, but other than that, I bring in a big lineup mm-hmm. um, and I try to wear them down early. Uh, just beat them around inside and try to make them come off of that death five. And then when you do, you then that's when you got to start to play matchups. The biggest thing for me though is Kevin Durant. How do you, how do you guard him and who's going to guard him? That's I mean, I they tried everybody. They tried literally <laughs> they tried everybody, everybody and, and it, it didn't, didn't work. work. No, and like you said, he's not going to shoot like that every night. Um, he's a Elliot mentioned earlier. He's one of the greatest scorers of all time, but he's not going to shoot like that every night. But he doesn't have to. They've got two other guys that can shoot just like that, and all three of them usually aren't off on the same night. So, Rob, what's your take on the series? Uh, we're only one game in. Oh yeah, we're one game in, but, but I've seen take? enough. I hate to say it, but because you it's... predicted that the Rockets could do it. Last oh, I, week. I, I gave them a shot. Yeah, you well, said that you it's thought over. The Rockets could do yeah, it. It's over. Um, Eric Gordon, he looked awful. He did. James Harden. Yeah, he he struggled. James Harden was good offensively. He was non-existent defensively. He tried. Poor thing got just shot after shot right in his mouth by Durant. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just him though. No, I don't, I'm not Tucker, sure. And I'm not sure it was lack of effort either. PJ Tucker got it. All of them got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Draymond doing his thing. They're just even with Curry not being himself, they're just too much to handle from the Rocket standpoint of they play no defense. The Warriors do play some. 
The Rockets have played more than past Antony teams, but it's still not enough. No. Because and the Warriors are an underrated defensive team. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're one of the best. Which a lot, a lot of things that help their defense is that they shoot the ball so well. So you're playing catch up the whole game. Mm-hmm. Good point. So you're shooting a three, and it's helping their defense, resting them. They're not using as much energy on the defensive side. But for them to even have a chance, they have to win this next game. Harden has to play some kind of defense. Eric Gordon has got to show up. It and looks like in his Clint Capella's though, going to have to have a big game down low for them to even have a chance. I don't know if y'all noticed it. When I watched Eric Gordon, he didn't look like he was enjoying himself. He he looked mentally out of oh, it. Oh, he like, looked he'd uncomfortable hit a, the whole He'd time. hit a three, a step back three, but he was taking tough shots. You could tell it was getting to him with the def- his defensive struggles. I'm not sure if this series is for him, but I'm like, Rob, if, if they're going to have a chance, he's going to have to step up. Anything else, Rob? No, nothing. I believe it's over. So I I disagree. I think that I don't think the Rockets had to win that first game to have a chance. Now I do agree that for underdogs, I always like the underdogs to come out and win game one just so they have that confidence. Hey, we can beat this team. But if you think about it, a lot of times when underdogs win that first game, and, and we're talking about the Rockets as an underdog here, and they're the one seed, they're the number one overall seed at home. We're calling them underdogs. The better team ends up coming back and winning game two. And then a lot of times the series. But here's why I disagree with, I think, the panel by saying that they still have a chance. I think they needed to play well. I think they needed to keep it close. And although it was a 13-point game, I thought that they they had to kind of hope that Golden State played their absolute best if they were going to lose, if that makes any sense. So what I mean is if they lost and the Warriors still didn't play their best game, that's where I think they're – that they would be taken down a notch, that that would kind of kill their momentum. But they're like, at this point, I'm like, Golden State played about as good as they're going to play, and they lost. But that means that I'm not sure that they can keep that level of play up. Now, I might be wrong because they have so much talent on that team, but I'm not counting on Durant playing like that. And I think that there are changes that can be made. I think D'Antoni can make some changes to improve Houston's play, whereas I'm not sure how much more you can improve Golden State's play. And here's here's what I mean. I don't think the Warriors are going to shoot that good percentage-wise the entire series. And I think Houston needs to come out with a more creative offense. In my opinion, tell me if you agree or disagree. Too many times James Harden dribbled the ball for, at some point, 15 to 18 seconds of the shot clock. They dribble the air out of it. Right. And it's one player. And someone ended up throwing up a bad shot just to beat the shot clock so they wouldn't get a shot clock violation. Now, through the series, I think this is going to tire James Harden out. This is why he has struggled in closeout games. Because by the end of the series, whether it be four, five, or six, or seven, he's tired. He's, he takes all this time and all this energy in these dribbling motions and these isolation plays that by the end of the series, he's tired. And if it doesn't continue, if, 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 if this offense continues, I, I think that that's going to be the same case against the Warriors. Even your, even your brother Jake, as... as how how do I put this nicely, Jared? Uh, oh, don't don't hold back. Don't show it's, it for you know what? You know what? Right. Okay, as, as big of a ball hog as he yeah. is, he'll uh, come out and say it. And as confident as he is in himself, he told me today. He said, "I don't know <clears throat> how Harden does it for the entire game because he's just got to be exhausted at the end of all those dribble moves." And <laughs> trust me, Jake would know how tiring dribble moves are. Mm-hmm. But also, there is there is like negative movement 
No, that's what I'm saying. When he gets the ball at the top of the key, I didn't see one person cut. They have spread out, and there's no cuts. No. There's no, no cuts, screenaways. No they can be isolation, but still have some movement. Honestly, it's, just, it's bad yeah. basketball. It's it's not good for basketball. He's just that good that yeah. he makes a lot of the shots. But I'm like Robbie. A lot of play. They're not even plays. A lot of possessions. There's no cutting. It's spreading the floor, letting Harden go one on one, and a lot of it's he's not even getting to the basket. It's step back threes, and when he does cut to the basket, he waits till four or five seconds left. So he's dribbling that whole time. If you're going to go to the basket, go early, so that you're not using all that energy. Um, Elliot mentioned before Kevin Durant. I think they're just going to have to accept he's unguardable. Whether he's, <laughs> his shooting percentage is that high, it's just up to that night. They tried everybody. They tried Clint Capella. They try – who I think I would stick with Clint Capella. Um, your problem is going to be your help defense down low if you pull Capella out to the three-point line, but he's got probably the best height uh, to put on Durant with that jump shot. P.J. Tucker got absolutely abused. Chris Paul, there's no chance of him playing defense with his height. And then James Harden, just not a good enough defender. Um, I think James Harden is playing well. I don't think you can really blame the series on his abilities, besides the fact that he's dribbling too much. I think Golden State is the better team, uh, and the series will end quickly if they play at their best. But that's why I still think the Rockets have a chance, is because if they catch the Warriors where they're not at their best and they can develop some kind of offense and find some kind of scheme where they can at least contest Durant more, I think they still uh, have a shot to win the series. Um. Any other thoughts on the Western Conference before we move on to the East? No, I agree with you. I just think they need to find that third scorer, as you said, to take some of the burden off of James Harden, Chris Paul, whether it be Capella or Gordon, as we mentioned. And maybe that is, as you said, D'Antoni changing up the offense Mm -hmm. to get these players more involved. But he has to change something so that it's more of a team making an impact on the game instead of just isolation with two players. Yeah, I thought Chris Paul was very average last night. He just didn't stand out to me. Yeah, he, he just kind of – he was like Curry, just kind of yeah, quietly put he, up he needs numbers. To so if, if we were to put it to you right now to say how many games this thing is going to go, I'm assuming you're picking the Warriors. What do you think this thing ends at? I'm going to stick with what I kind of said earlier in the week. I'll say five. I think the Rockets win this next game. I think they do it. make some adjustments, but then I think the Warriors handle business. Huh? I just I don't see Houston's offense being slowed much. Uh, I know we talked about the Warriors being a pretty good defensive team, but I I think it, they're good enough to take this to six. Mm-hmm. Rob, if Houston wins the next one five, if they don't four. So Rob is going straight Warriors here. I I, I think I'm going to go the Warriors in six. I think the Rockets figure it out. They get a win, uh, and maybe they even steal one. On the road, because I know the regular season doesn't count for much, I guess, when it comes to playoff time. But they figured out ways to beat this team before. I'm going to say the Warriors don't shoot in the 60% uh, every night. So I'm, I'm going to give the Rockets two games if I was to put uh, money on I go Warriors in six. So let's go ahead and move to the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Celtics crushed the Cavs in game one, and they're currently uh, battling out in game two right now. LeBron starting out scorching hot there. Has went to the locker room. Possible, yeah, possible concussion. He just had a collision there with, uh, I believe that was Jason Tatum. Okay, so that's that's pretty uh, breaking for when we're recording this, um, taking place on Tuesday night. Uh, speaking of LeBron, he struggled along with the rest of the team. In game one, we all expect him to recover and play better this game. Now, obviously, that depends on whether he returns from uh, the locker room with the uh, possible concussion. So, Ty, we'll start with you this time. What should we expect from his teammates tonight? 
and through the rest of the series, are the Cavs done? Absolutely not. The Cavs are definitely not done. That I mean, if anybody says they're done, they just don't – they're just a hater, honestly. And we've talked about this, I don't know how many times with LeBron, about people just turning them away and being haters. LeBron's got 24-4-4 four, and four tonight already in the first half. Goodness. Could have probably put up more um, if, he, if he didn't go out there with the concussion. But good signs so far. Uh, Kevin Love with seven and Kyle Korver with 11. So uh, he's had a, a couple of teammates. Usually you don't see a couple of teammates with LeBron um, turning in good nights. Um, usually it's, it's just one. Usually it's Kevin Love, I'd say. But uh, J.R. Smith will throw in a good game every once in a while. But um, J.R., if you're wondering, the, the big goose egg. But uh, I, I expect, you know, LeBron said he has zero worry, which I think that's a little far-fetched. I think, you know, you lose game one in that fashion. Uh, you only had 15 points. They defended you very well. You shot right. the ball very poorly from deep, 0 for 8. I think after what he's been through, though, after no, coming I, back I in the finals and I stuff, understand I understand why saying. he's saying it. I understand what he's saying, but at the same time, I think it's a little bit cocky and a little bit uh, – um, naive, I'd say, to, to say that there's zero worry at yeah, all. Well, the because this Boston team is very good. They're very well coached. Um, just they've a got good strong team. players, and they've got good matchups where they need to have them. Like we talked about with Toronto, mm-hmm. I guess that was last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron matched up on uh, DeRozan and all that good stuff. So they don't. They have good defenders where they need to have them for uh, Cleveland to struggle. Yep. Boston does, especially on the perimeter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of the role players with Cleveland are spot-up shooters or coming off pick-and-rolls, pick-and-pops to shoot, and they've got solid perimeter defenders, which creates a matchup problem. A lot of LeBron's assist comes from those drive-and-kick opportunities, so that's a good point there uh, with the matchups. Rob? Um, it's not over. Brad Stevens, he's a genius, it looks like. It looks like he could be replacing Pop within the next year or two as the top head coach. In my opinion, he's probably won now. Just a little homer there. but um, Scary Terry's making a making an appearance in this series, too. He, rumor is they're thinking about maybe packaging Kyrie for maybe Kawhi Leonard in the offseason. And what's your thoughts on that? I say go for it if you can get him. Because yep. the way Terry's playing, he's he's not as good, but he's if you can get Kawhi, it's a much better team. I'd like to get the panel's opinion on that, too, once we get back around. But keep, keep going. With, with Gordon and Al, you'd have a heck of a team. Yeah. Jason Tatum continuing to make the Sixers look bad. And definitely the Lakers for taking a ball, taking Lonzo Ball ahead of him. That Well, that'll, that's another topic for another day. But they're just – they dominated the first game. Marcus Morris backed up his talk by actually putting the straps on LeBron. Stephen A. even said it looked like he was non-existent that game. It could have been because of his lack of aggression. I mean, Marcus Morris played great defense, yeah. don't get me wrong, but obviously this game, LeBron came out with a lot more fire in that first quarter. Well, I can just count on one hand how many times I've watched a game that LeBron is non-existent in. Oh, yeah. And, and then, Ty, what did you say earlier? Was he 0 for 8 0 for from 8 the from perimeter? Yeah. yeah, the first game. Another point on Marcus Morris is he's got around, it's a little more now, but Last time I checked, he had over 160 points in the fourth quarter for the postseason. He's one of their, this postseason. Yeah, he's one of their wow. most, best postseason scores. 
LeBron's standing at the scorer's table right now. Oh, he's so about he's to come ready, back in the game for the last two minutes of the first half. Okay, so he's getting ready to check back in. But And Ho- you've got Al Horford. Uh, I think Brad Stevens is getting more of the Hawk days out of him again. He's starting to look really good. So I give the Celtics the edge even though I gave – I picked Cleveland last week. But I'll give the Celtics in six. I'm going to give LeBron two games. Um, I guess it's on to me now. I – I, th- I think in this series, LeBron is obviously the best player on the floor, um, but the Celtics are the better team. And so sometimes you have that choice of would you rather have the better player or the better team. And it makes the question really tough when LeBron is the better player. Uh, you know, in some situations you might have the better player just isn't quite enough to match up against the better team, but here it's always a question because we've seen it happen before where the better player defeats the better team with Cleveland a few years ago taking down the Warriors. Here it's a little bit more more difficult because of his surrounding cast and, and, and how uh, the Celtics are playing. And it's, out, it's, it's also, I think it's more of a special situation because of what Boston's dealing with. I mean, they are undermanned, but is it really fair to say that now? They're, they're pretty used to playing without Gordon Hayward. He hasn't been there all year. And they've known Kyrie hasn't going to been there, and they they're still playing very well. I think a very good basketball team, solid all the way around. Uh, Celtics have an outstanding coach. They've got great talent put together by Danny Ainge. That's a lot of the credit. I think uh, people aren't talking about as much is how Danny Ainge has put together this cast of players. Obviously, Brad Stevens deserves a lot of credit for coaching them, but you can be the greatest coach in the world, but if you don't have the pieces there to coach. You're not going to win. Well, that was a Danny Ainge hire, too, I believe. Yeah, yeah, it was. Took him from uh, Butler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then players like Terry Rozier uh, that Robbie mentioned uh, last week that I think uh, some people tried to get him in a package for someone. And Jimmy. For Jimmy Butler, yeah. right. So Chicago, and, and he didn't want to give up Terry Rozier. Marcus Morris, the picks of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown was actually a big question mark when they drafted him as early as they did. Um, but you guys mentioned earlier role players are having the terrific playoffs while the Cavs role players are kind of MIA. Um, LeBron, here's here's where we might draw some uh, some interesting discussion, especially between Ty and I. So obviously um, when we look at the talent deficits between these two teams, a lot of it's made up by the talent of LeBron, but we have criticized his supporting cast this year through the playoffs. LeBron has pretty much played the role of GM since he returned to Cleveland. I mean, I, I don't see much disagreement in that, but I think a lot of the things that have went down, which included trading Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love, I think we can agree was initiated or at least run by LeBron Absolutely. before that stuff happened. So let's at least acknowledge that he doesn't have a great team, but is he partially responsible for that? The team around him, I think, is put together by the GM, but, you know, a lot of us, you know, we joke around saying LeBron is the coach and the GM, but I think a lot of it, they do run a lot of that stuff by him or because he has the threat of leaving. He's made his contracts to where he renews it every year, and if they don't get him the help that he wants or deserves, he's out. And so I, I want to get Ty's opinion on this, especially uh, before we move on. Do you think that this team that he has now carrying is partially his fault? I guess you could say that, yeah. Um, I'm not going to totally be blind to it. He's definitely uh, 
as you said, he's been the the GM and the and the coach and all that good stuff. I, you know, I just think it's a I think it's him suggesting these players, and then the players just not really turning out to be who he thought they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Nance looked really good originally. I it don't know if I've heard anything out of him recently. No. Clarkson has not been good. Uh, Kyle Korver has had his moments. Ky- uh, Kevin Love was the big one, you know. The, right. Um, but I, I I don't think you can criticize him for the Love. I think he's played. No, Kevin Love has been fine. Uh, I mean, for all I mean, the fire that he's been through, really. I don't, do I don't know why. Him? I don't know why Kevin Love gets so, he gets such a lot a of hard heat. time. He gets a lot of heat. I would make that trade today again. Kevin, yeah, yeah, Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love. Kevin Love. I think yeah. Andrew Wiggins is a little even underperformed yeah. for what they yeah, thought he was yeah, going to be. Yeah. I, I still think Cleveland got the better. And they completely yeah. changed Love's role, but Ty, continue. Yeah, so uh, just got to halftime, 55-48, and the Cavs are on top. LeBron, 24 points, four boards, and four assists. Uh, excuse me, 25 points, six boards, four six, six assists, four boards. Who can't talk today, but... Uh, yeah, I guess you could say it is mostly LeBron's fault that um, they they don't have I, such a good supporting cast. I, the, I don't know. It is a little his fault, but the one move that really killed him that he had no control over was Kyrie just backing out. And I think that's killed him this year. But did he do that because of the moves LeBron was making, or was it I everybody think thinks he was tired of playing little Things brother. I've read lately say that it was never going to work long term. They're two attitudes. They're just two alphas, and there's just not enough room there for their heads. So we've 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 talked about you know the the supporting cast and LeBron. I've I've kind of neglected to get back to Elliot for his main thoughts on this series. So Elliot, what do you think about uh, are are the Cavs done here, or are they still primed for a comeback? What do you think? If there's one thing I've learned, as much as I've hated on LeBron, it's to not bet against him. So mm-hmm. they're certainly not done. He's, as Ty said, he's having an incredible first half tonight, got them out to an early lead. If they can hang on to that, they're certainly alive in the series going back to Cleveland. So, But on the Celtics side of the ball, Brad Stevens has just been a mastermind. He he continues to get great contributions from his veteran players, such as Marcus Morris, Al Horford, while allowing his younger players to flourish. I mean, you've got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum playing over their heads, scoring the ball, as Robbie said, scary Terry. He's been incredible, both defensively and offensively. You've got even Marcus Smart and Aaron Baines playing quality minutes. I think Aaron Baines had like a plus 17 and plus minus the other night. Marcus Smart's an underrated defender, too. Absolutely, yeah. And the thing about the Celtics team is they will not back down. They have chips on their shoulders. They play with a togetherness and an attitude that you have to have to take down a LeBron. Mm -hmm. So from that point, I think the Celtics have what it takes and I think they will eventually win this series. But if it comes down to it, I'm not betting against LeBron because we've seen it time and time again. He will single-handedly carry teams on his back with 40-point triple-doubles. I mean, yep. we've seen it against the Warriors, the best in the world. That's not so, exaggerating. Yes. The man literally puts up triple-doubles with 40 points. Nobody's going to be shocked if he wins. Uh, I'll be surprised if he if they win the series. But then... I, I just won't be surprised. I, I won't be surprised. I, I, I honestly don't know how you can say that you would be surprised to see LeBron in what would this be, the ninth straight year in the Eastern Conference Finals? I know. I, I just... Not, yeah. I think or, that, or winning the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I think it's finally set up for him to not make the Finals. And, I, I, that, and I'm not hating it. We say that. I know we do. Year. I know we do. I, I know. I, know. I want to I reiterate that real quick. 
We say this every year about, oh, well, LeBron doesn't look so good. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not, this is not about LeBron. I'm not saying, I'm not saying LeBron. I'm, I'm saying I, this I should is, have said the Cavaliers. Yeah. I'm saying uh, every year it's like, oh, I don't know. They're, they don't look so good. They don't know what they're doing on defense. They, well, they get it figured out in time. And they get, will they get it figured out in time? But I don't did know. They get, when <laughs> they got it figured out in time, who was year. playing point guard when they got it figured out? But we still had the same question of, are they going to be able to figure out in time? What, and, you know, maybe this year they don't have as much talent, but we still had the same questions as when he had great talent. So I, I just I don't see how you can say it would be a surprise. Like, I, I think that's preposterous to say it would be a surprise to see him win the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I mean, uh, that, I guess this will be our first biggest disagreement. I, I think I would pick the Celtics to win. I'm not. It, I'm not saying that I'm picking LeBron either for for the win. I'm just saying I don't know how you could say that it would be an ultimate surprise that oh, if yeah. at the end of the series LeBron yeah. stands. I'm, I'm kind of like 51-49 Celtics. Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a great series. I don't think you can just all oh, Celtics have it in probably five or six. No, I, no, I no. just don't think you can do that. No, I would say I, I, I would say six or seven. I, maybe surprise is is the wrong term. I guess what I would say is I have the Celtics favorited to win the series. And I'm not saying that LeBron's not going to show up and put out and pump out 40 points a game. I just think that when we had when we had picked other teams to beat him in the past and he came back and went, not only did he dominate, but we had some dominant performances by Kyrie Irving by his side as well. And so without that, I think that would I think that's why I use the word surprises because I mean Kevin Love is playing well, but we had there were games where, especially against that series of, uh, where they came back against the Warriors, where there was two dominant performers for Cleveland. And now I think it would be fair to say that there's only one with LeBron. I don't see someone else putting up Kyrie-esque numbers except LeBron. Well, I, I can see Kevin Love putting up not Kyrie-esque. But now they're also not playing a team like the Warriors right now. The Love could have an impact rebounding. My thing is he, need, he needs his Robin. Kyrie was his Robin. He, he doesn't have another guy who can create his own shot and take pressure off of him. LeBron has to create everything for mm-hmm. this team. And that may be partially his fault, as you were saying earlier, with the roster. But it ultimately comes down to they have to run those decisions by him. He has to have that input because if he's there or if he's not, that front office has to go in completely different directions, whatever the answer to that question is. So he has to have have the control in that. So it's on him, but... It's also kind of on the front office. They've got to do what they feel makes the team better. They're they're ultimately in control. So, so I guess before we before we move on to our last NBA topic, uh, just just another quick recap as we did with the first series. If you were to pick a a, a a game total and the winner, who would you pick right now? I'm gonna take Celtics in seven. Celtics in seven for Elliott. LeBron in seven. Ty's going with the Cavs, by, I'm assuming by saying LeBron in seven. Rob? I'm a flop to the Celtics in six. And Rob's going Celtics in six. Even though you said Celt- or, uh, Cavaliers, right? Yep, I, changed, I think it was LeBron in six last week. So Rob's changed from last yeah, week. Yeah, I'm a flop on that one. Um, this is tough because the, you know Ty's argument kind of... Kind of made me double think that you know what with everything we've seen, but I think this time it might just be too much, and I, 
I hate. I know betting against him. I'm sure he's going to come back and rip off four in a row, and they'll win it in five. But I'm going Celtics in seven. Can't wait to give you guys a. I told you so. Yep. Well, and now next week, how many games? Will I, had, we I had to really guard myself and almost. I was going to go Cleveland in six, but I decided against. All right. It. So Todd's going Cleveland in six, and I'm going Boston in seven. <laughs> no, I went seven. Right. I went seven, but I had to guard against it. One thing, one thing I would like to add is with the series going back to Cleveland, your role players typically play better at home than that's they true. do on the road. So that's why I think Cleveland will bring this series back close. Um, so we're moving away from playoffs because this person on our next topic and his team are no longer in them. Um, the Raptors will not be bringing Dwayne Casey back as their head coach next year after being swept out of the playoffs by LeBron and the Cavs. Is this firing reasonable? Who's at fault for the Raptors' playoff struggles? This time we're going to start with Rob. Yep, get him out. I love it. You know, I'm. a lot of times I take up for the coaches, but he's had seven years. Hold on a minute. I know he's had Hold seven. on a minute. My BS meter just went through the roof. Take up for coaches? How hey, many times? I take up for Dusty, How many man? times? Yeah, you took up for Dusty. But other than that, oh, for, the, for our listeners, we're talking about Dusty Baker, uh, ex manager for yeah, the Nationals. But, okay. Now, Johnny Farrell, yeah, he had a short leash. Yeah, yeah. You had a lot of Red Sox managers with short no, leash. Now, Terry, Terry still gets a leash. Yeah. Wish he was still there, but. He has a short leash for the team. I've seen the man turn off a baseball game in the first well, inning. It looks like I could turn tonight's game off if I was watching it, so. I've seen him turn off Duke games in the first quarter. So okay, they well, don't have it. If you don't have if it, you're you don't the have G, it. if you're the owner or the GM, but why are you firing? I'm getting Mason? rid of him because he's had seven years. Not like Jason Garrett. But he's, he's had his time. They haven't won. Another thing is, somebody's got to pay the price, and it's harder to it's harder to fire players than it is a coach. Also, you could just chalk it up as another coach that got fired because they couldn't beat that. That's the bottom line. You're going to get fired if you can't beat LeBron James. You have to know that going in. So is it is it like football? If you can't beat Belichick, you're out? Pretty much. Because, you know, if that's the case, then Tomlin's out. Wow. I've said he should be out. Look at – they lose to teams every year like the Bears. They lost the Bears and had a free touchdown given to them. They did. But where where were they in the playoffs? Losing they were in the, the conference. Jaguars. Yeah. They, that's true. I can't argue with you on that one. Losing to the Jaguars. Um, this is to me now. I, I completely disagree. I, I think this is way too harsh. So Dwayne Casey took over halfway through the 2011 season. So was that six and a half years, actually, Ralph? Uh, his wins increased every year but one. He started with 34 wins. Then he went to 48. Then they won 49. Jumped up to 56. Two years ago, they did take a step back. They won 51 games, and this year, 59, which is a, a f- pretty sure it's a franchise record for the Raptors in the in the regular season. Here's here's simply what happened, and you cannot blame the coach for it. The best two players on the team once again folded while playing a LeBron James team, and by the two players, I'm talking about guards, and also, I think that the NBA, the playoff system is is a lot different than college, in that I think March Madness, in my opinion, is really run by guard play, whereas the NBA, you can't just have good guard play and go through. It's it's so much more of a grind. you got seven-game series where, yeah, one loss knocks you out in March Madness, but here 
there's so much more coaching and game planning that goes into it because you, you there's so many changes that you can make, not just in between halves, but from game to game. And so, yeah, Dwayne Casey obviously deserves some of the blame, but to fire the man that's, in my opinion, going to win Coach of the Year this year, I think is a little much. And and you say, you know, it's easier to fire the coach than the players, and I think that's the problem, I think. No, that's I'm, that's I'm not, be a first. Right? I'm not saying get rid of, not get rid of the players, too. I blow the whole thing up because you're not beating them. Well, I think usually it's one or the other. Just you know, get rid of it all. How awkward is that speech going to be if he wins that thing? He's going to be unemployed. Now, I, I think he's going to find a job quick. But I'm surprised it really hasn't already. I think they had a solid roster, a very good coach, and I think Dwayne Casey was just – he was made the scapegoat. And, and it, a lot of it was put on him benching DeMar DeRozan in uh, game th- three and four. Look, if you're not playing well, you're going to the bench. I think that, that took onions to do that. You know, if you're not playing well, why keep you on the floor? Well, that lost the Sixers the game because Brett Brown did, kept Ben kept Simmons, Simmons in the game. In there. Yeah. And, and went away from a hot hand. I think Rob alluded to that last Brown. week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who was the T.J. McConnell was having McConnell, a much better yeah. so performance. You, you're, you're, you're screwed if you do, and you're screwed if you don't. So. No, we're all supposed to trust the process, Mark Alfols. Now, I, I agree that you're you're always judging what you do in the playoffs. So, I, I still got to disagree with you. I, I don't see how you get rid of Dwayne Casey unless the lo- unless he's lost lost the locker room. I that's just the only way I can if you can justify if you it. I don't think that's the case. If you could not beat the team LeBron had this year, you'll never do it because you know wherever he ends up, he's going to have a better team than this. Do one. you think he's fired if they lose that series? That's not a sweep. See, that's what I was thinking. Maybe if they at least get I a game or two. I think in. that's the is biggest, that what did it? I think that's the biggest thing about it. The sweep is a slap. In they the were face. a buzzer beater away, right, from right. being a sweep. Well, two, right? Two, Didn't two, two in that yeah. in that series, but but the big thing for me is you talk about if Casey has lost the locker room or not. So much talk was leading up to that series about is LeBron in their head, and you know originally everybody was like, is. oh no, no, they, no, it's fine. Like we're we've we're a new team this year. We're different. And then once they won two games, there. I mean, I guess after LeBron hit the buzzer beater in the third game. Was it was it. just over. Yeah, it, was it. it was over, and there there was no respond, no no response from Toronto, and maybe that's the biggest part. But, maybe that maybe that plays the biggest. But that's key. not just Toronto. I saw that with my team just a few years ago. I think if you remember in Game One uh, in a series, and I'm not, uh, I should have done my research on the exact year. Uh, do you recall when the when the, it was one of the final years that the Bulls had their big squad together with Gasol and Rose and Butler? They took game one in Cleveland, and then game two, uh, the Cavs won. Game three, Derrick Rose hit a buzzer beater three. And then game four, the Bulls were this close to going up three to one, and LeBron hit a fadeaway three in the corner to go up three to one. Uh, if you don't remember that one. I do remember that That, one. that sucked the air right out of my team, and they, they didn't win another game after that. I think if LeBron wouldn't have hit that shot over Jimmy Butler in the far corner that I'll never forget. It's seared into my mind. Didn't we all love it? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it just makes me so mad when people bring it up. 
Three out of four ain't bad. We would have we'd have went up three to one. Especially after Rose. Oh, here we go. We went up three to one. Here we go. Robert. We would have went to the finals. Here we go. And that oh, would have been God. Chicago's chance here to put their name on that. Derrick Rose would have saved the team. Go, no, no, team no team including Joakim Noah is beating LeBron James. And so right, here's, here's that it. was the shot that ended our chance. So it's not just Toronto. It's not just Dwayne Casey that that gets. Oh, it's another coach. Thibodeau's one got fired because he couldn't beat LeBron. Interesting thing I'm not sure if so it was because he couldn't beat LeBron. I think so they wanted to change because they couldn't beat him. So many good coaches out there right now, too. Yeah, Mark Jackson. Uh, I actually heard Van Gundy is thinking about coming out of the uh, – out of the Yeah, yeah. Jeff It better be out. for a good job. It better be. And Toronto it better not be for like the Knicks. Pretty, Toronto oh, yeah, a pretty the, good job. Yeah, the Raptors, absolutely. Did yeah. the Knicks um, hire Fisdale? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. They did hire yeah. Fisdale. So Fisdale's gone and – also, if you want to go down that road, Stan Van has been released yeah. from. The but now, I agree well. with that firing. I, I don't another, have a problem with that. They disappeared. They did. He's that's had, another decent. Uh, they job gave him opportunity. complete control. Another decent. Oh yeah, job they got talent. I like Stan. With, with, They've got oh, talent yeah. with DeAndre Drummond and uh, Griffin and Blake Griffin. Yep, and uh, Reggie Jackson. Jackson. They've got no, talent. I'm almost positive. Didn't Reggie Jackson get sent somewhere? Let me check. I'm that. not sure on Reggie. No, he's still there. Fact check that. He's still there. In the singular still he got there? hurt. He got hurt during the middle of the year, but the one, so if Smith took over, but. singular still there. The once uh, worst <laughs> Wake Forest Association right? Award winner. Not sure on Ish Smith. I think Ish Smith. He's still a Piston. Okay. Reggie Jackson's still on the Piston, but yeah, that, not a bad job. Obviously, I think the Raptors would be a better job, but unless you think they're just completely mentally wiped out after that series, you oh, might have to blow they're that. Done. Uh, they're done. Oh, Ty, we still got to get to you. We got to get through this quick so we can take a break. You already, you already got my my thought on it. I was You're just, backing I was up Dwayne Casey, I was just, right? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I think Dwayne Casey might not have been able to be fired, but then they got swept, and that just showed that he had lost the locker room, especially after that third game, um, mentally. So you think he did series. lose the locker room? I, no, I'm not saying he lost the locker room completely, but I think mentally they all checked out after that game. And, and as a coach, you have to work your hardest. Because you know, after a game three, you get down 3-0, and LeBron hits one like that, and you, you lose it in that fashion, you know your team's probably going to be mentally checked out. You have to work your butt off. And I'm not saying he didn't, but you have to really make sure that they are there mentally. Because mm-hmm. they, they never were. That game was never close. No. Elliot? Uh, I agree with Ty. I think the sweeps would initially did it, but I don't agree with it. I'm with you. I think he's the scapegoat. I think you used that word. I think it's ridiculous that he's being fired. As you said, he's a very strong candidate for coach of the year. So if he wins that and they fire him, that's going to look pretty bad on their part. But And I was I, asking earlier, that's got to be history, right? That's going to be the first time that's ever happened. Coach of the year gets fired? Yeah, I would think. <laughs> but... As we said, this series was a bad matchup from the start, and I'm I'm with Robbie. I think you need to blow it up. Not the coach. I think Casey should stay. But as far as the team, I think Serge Ibaka's washed. I think you have two ball-dominant guards in DeRozan and Lowry, and that's just not going to work together unless you're like the Rockets where you can shoot a lot of threes and make a lot of threes, or the Warriors in that regard. But... When it comes down to the playoffs, these ball-dominant guards are not going to work unless you can shoot it from the outside, and they have none of that. So that's that's where I think their flaw is and why they need to just blow it up. So. Well, we've got one person in the panel that uh, has the firing justified, and it looks like three of us uh, kind of take up for Dwayne Casey here. Yes. Um, we're going to take a quick break. We're still not done with the starting lineup. We've got a couple more things to get to. Uh, some NHL playoff recaps. Ty's going to 
uh, take lead charge in that. And then to finish out the start lineup when we come back from break, we'll talk about the Players' Championship that took place uh, this past weekend. After that, we've got a cool game for the seventh inning stretch, and as always, we'll end with the two-minute drill. So we'll be right back uh, with the final pieces of the starting lineup. Welcome back to the 9 to 5 Sports Podcast, where it's time to wrap, uh, wrap up the starting lineup. We'll talk about a little bit of the NHL playoffs. We'll start that with the Capitals. The Caps are surging in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, up 2-0, to zero, while the Jets and the Golden Knights are tied at one apiece out west. Ty, are you drinking the Kool-Aid now, or are you holding off and waiting to see if the Caps can finish the deal and reach the Finals? And for the West... Can an expansion team secure an opportunity to compete for the Stanley Cup in its very first year? You want me and Elliot to go first and let Ty wrap it up since he's a little lengthy? Ah, uh, sure, why not? Rob, start us off. All right. I'll just say I think they got the monkey off their back. The Capitals, yeah, right, so by, beating, yeah, by uh, beating the Penguins. I loved it. I hate Sidney Crosby. He's just mm. just not, Good. not a nice person. Good, Rob. Um the Capitals are actually looking like a championship team that resides in Washington. Um, and I was very surprised to see they scored 10 goals in the first two games combined. So it's a big offensive surge. And they are the – I did hear that they're the most efficient on the power play in the playoffs. Nice. And then, obviously, I think expectations were lowered a bit this year. I, I don't think they were the best team in hockey no, record-wise. No. But they're looking good. Uh, but they, Yeah, maybe it's just the expectation thing because they, they are looking good and they're looking efficient as well. Elliot, any comments? Uh, all I'm going to say is I think maybe I should be a Capitals fan or at least watch more often for mm. the sake of their yeah. fans because both games I've watched, they have scored at least five goals. Nice. So <laughs> I think I may be their charm. Maybe it's beginner's luck, but I do. I agree with Robbie. They finally got that monkey off their back, taking down Pittsburgh. They did it in Game Six, which I said they needed to do, so they got the got the less pressure game. But they they finally got that done. And on the other side, Vegas continues to just be an incredible story. I Isn't mean, it though? An expansion team in their first year. It's it's just incredible to me. Yeah. But I'll let Ty take it from here. Yep, Todd, so just to recap, or get your uh, opinions on the, the Caps and Lightning series and then the Vegas with their great start uh, to their franchise history, really. Well, you phrased it, am I drinking the Kool-Aid? Uh, that's a really tough question to answer for me because I, I feel like I'm pretty grounded at the moment. Um, I feel like... <laughs> I was expecting you to be slurping that Kool-Aid. Oh, no, no. I'm just not, I'm not it slurping down. it just yet. He's not a Jordan Mercer here, folks. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, Another I, Mercer we'll get to that. We'll get, yeah, we'll really, get to that here in a minute. I think we're on a Mercer shout-out streak. Yeah, I think this – well, not not much of a shout-out streak, but a uh, a jab streak as well. It, we, every time we mention him, it's, it's usually It's not a 9-to-5 podcast. Without a jab at Jordan Mercer. Right. You're right. You're right. I, and I appreciate that. We love that. Mercer. We do. Uh but uh, sometimes your, yeah, sometimes your your uh, your takes are just a, just a little, just a little uh, overreactive. But anyway, uh, the Caps they're up 2-0. They've looked so good against the Lightning in the first two games. At, but right now they are struggling as I'm watching it on the TV as I speak. Four to one uh, here in the third period. 
Um, I kind of knew Tampa was going to come out strong here in this third game. Uh, one, because my cousin Greg is there, and he is the Capitals' jinx. Every time he's in the arena, they lose in the playoffs. So kind of knew that was coming for that reason. Uh, but on a more serious note, I definitely saw the Lightning having to respond. Uh, they don't want to face an elimination game uh, in, in four games in the Capitals' home arena there in Washington. Uh, so I knew that they were going to come out strong. They've been unbelievable. Robbie said something about how the Caps have been really good on the power play, but mm-hmm. I can't remember too many power plays that the Lightning have not converted on in the last two games especially, um, two games being this 4-1 to one ball game I'm watching and, and the uh, uh, game two. Uh, however, all that being said, I am thinking we've got a chance because we are playing some really good hockey. We look fast. Uh, we look faster than Tampa, um, and uh, we we're st- we've always been physical. That's been a thing under Barry Trotz. It's been a thing ever since Ovechkin's been captain, uh, which has been for a long time now. Uh, we we look good. Uh, we really do, um, and we look kind of comfortable at the moment as well. So uh, th- that's really cool. The Caps are up 2-0. Probably going to be 2-1 after this game. They're not looking like they're making too much of a move right now. Um, to, to try and tie this game up. But uh, a strong start. Uh, I do think you have to get back on the on the horn next game and win at least one game at home uh, because, I mean, you took two from Tampa. You can't just rest on that. Uh, going back to Tampa will be much more challenging this time if it's a 2-2 lead um, and they've got a second wind. Uh, you, you've kind of been in the, in the goalie's head as well um, for Vasilevsky, who is probably going to be the uh, Vesna Trophy winner of the year. That's the best goaltender. Um, you've been in his head, but he's having a strong performance tonight. So uh, they've, they've gotten a second wind about him, and that's going to turn out to be a really good series. And then, like you said, we'll talk about Vegas. Um, first of all, so impressive to me, as you guys said, because it's at the beginning of the year, there are a lot of people that are saying, wow, this team has just got nobody. They're not very good at all. And now... They've played so well that they've changed everybody's opinion, and they're thinking, "Well, we got to change up something in the expansion draft because they're getting too good of players." Right. That's how well these that's guys. What, that's a point that I had made, I think, last week about yeah how the owners probably don't like this, like how how this expansion team is. I've been on Twitter a lot here recently. Is, is, on, has on NHL, like on NHL Twitter, I'll say, um, and and people have been just losing it on the NHL, saying, well, they're losing credibility with this. I, at, like somebody said, or as I said earlier, you guys, you probably the same people at the beginning of the year saying, well, these guys, they're not very good at all. I don't see how they're going to win games. Why can't we just appreciate that this team is is so rare and so special that they're – I guess three wins away now because they're tied one to one with Winnipeg, who's playing probably the best hockey of anybody in the league um, here in the playoffs and later in the year. Um, a very impressive win that they pulled out uh, against the Nashville Predators. Sorry, E. Um, but they pulled out a, a game seven victory there against Nashville. And Winnipeg's been fun to watch too. They're they're fun bunch to watch. They're young. Um, they've, they've got some uh, draft picks that have turned out. Winnipeg's been it, – it's always good for me. I know Robbie hates it kind of when bad teams that he thinks are just 
destined to be bad at all times, tend, tend to be good. Uh, I know that drives him nuts, but Winnipeg has Winnipeg has <clears throat> has gotten their lumps, um, and uh, I think they finally deserve to be pretty good, and they are. They're very good. They've probably I've been saying Vegas Golden Knights for the entire playoff series now, just because I like the story, but. Winnipeg, I, I just keep watching them and they keep impressing me. So I'm thinking I might be switching back to Winnipeg is probably going to be the winner of the Stanley Cup. I, and talk about will say about the Vegas thing is I know from my own personal opinion, I've followed hockey more because of their success. I wanted to keep up with how they're doing. Since so you're so saying historic. from a fan perspective, yeah, this could yeah. be good for I say it should be drawn. It's drawing more interest, at least for me. And, and I, I, I was, I might actually build on that. You know. Ty mentioned the word story. You imagine a story where a team like the Capitals, who, you know, let's be bold here, are kind of known for their lack of performance in the playoffs. Ouch. A, 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 a Stanley Cup Finals with the, with the Capitals and a new expansion team? Like, Ouch. look at the story there. I think that's what the NHL is hoping for now. Am I wrong there? Uh, I don't know if they're hoping for it or not. Uh, I think you get uh... – I mean, they made it this far, and expansion teams yeah. made it this far. I think if you get that headline, I think if they, of, and I think if you get two teams the NHL's the wish year. every year, I think it's Montreal versus Boston or Montreal versus Toronto, one of the original six of the of the league. Right. But, but, but when you're in this situation, in this situation, in this, four, yeah, these I would think that they would definitely there. want, yeah, they would yeah. definitely want Vegas, a new budding. That that could really spring some more hockey fans, people that are on the fence about it, like maybe Robbie. Right, is. and if nothing else, for the Capitals, you're going to have one of the best players in the league. Oh yeah, show, yeah, showcasing almost like in the NBA, how the NBA probably wants the Cavs in the finals every year because you got the best player on that stage. Yeah, in the finals, you want those ratings. You want you want that guy. To I think have they want Vegas platform. to make it. I don't think they could care less with Washington and Tampa because as you talk about Ovechkin being probably you know the guy, the best mm-hmm. the best player in the league. Um, Tampa count, counters with uh, Steven Stamkos. He's Probably, I'd say top five in the league right now. So, um, but that's all I've got really for hockey. All right. So again, we thank Ty for uh, helping lead us off with with our hockey hockey topics each and every week. Uh, to finish off the starting five, before we take another quick break, we'll talk about the Players Championship. So, guys, you all keep up with golf uh, more than myself this past weekend. The Players Championship took place with Webb Simpson winning the tournament. Tiger Woods finished. Tied at 11th spot. So what do you three take away from this weekend's golf? Uh, Elliot, we'll start with you. I take away that Webb Simpson really came out of nowhere and just dissected this golf course, which is a very tough one, by the way, and really dominated the field for the better half of four rounds. Uh, Probably three rounds is more like it, but he did what he had to do in that fourth round. He struggled, but he made some clutch pars. He was absolutely incredible with the putter. I think after the third round, they said he was plus 10 strokes gained in putting on the field, which is just unheard of. And, he, I mean, that's what it takes to win a golf tournament. You've got to get extremely hot with a putter, especially with a player like him. He's not very long. I think he led the field in driving accuracy this week, but was dead last in driving distance. So there's more more than one way to skin a cat. Um, I believe I said last week Jason Day would make a strong showing, and he did mm-hmm. with a tie for fifth. Minus 13, I believe, was his number. And Tiger Woods, as you mentioned, 
he came out and really controlled all facets of his game over the weekend. I know he barely made the cut on the number at minus one, but he came out firing with a 65 on Saturday, which could have been quite a bit lower if he had kept it together and finished off the round. Same thing on Sunday. He finished with a 69, but actually had it three shots lower at one point before making a double bogey on the infamous 17th Island Green. And <laughs> I'd love to see myself there. You know what? I've heard a lot about that that one hole itself. And, and although I'm not a golf aficionado, I, I actually do want to hear all three of your thoughts on that specific uh, signature hole is what I say. Oh, yeah. It's an incredible theater. I mean... There's balls getting dumped in the water all the time, whether it's nerves or not. It should it should be nerves because a 126-yard shot should not be that hard for a professional golfer. That's just a gap wedge, sand wedge, if you mm-hmm. know golf. So it's, it's quite crazy to see the nerves get to these guys as well. But, I mean, they are playing for a large sum of money, as we saw Jason Duffner, the Duff man, with his kangaroo pouch and all, lost over $700,000 on the 18th green by oh. free-putting. <laughs> And that makes me hurt. That would keep Jared up for... And not, that it's a, not that it matters to him, but good Lord. No, Duffner's That's awful. Duffner has come out and publicly said, like, you guys worry about yourself, I'm doing just fine. And he is. He's won a lot of money. He's quite a character. Uh, Jordan Spieth also lost over $100,000 on 18 with a quadruple bogey by putting it in the water. Yikes. Where are you finished? Uh, pretty far down because of that, but... Yeah, so that was not a great showing for Mr. Spieth. But as far as Tiger, you said uh, you want to know if he's back. I won't consider him back until, as I said, he finishes off those rounds that are going really low and he needs to keep going in that direction, not give shots back to the field. As in, he got it to minus 8 for the round the other day and he finished at minus 5, I believe. So I won't say he's back until he gets that grit about him and just shuts it off at the end of the round. Ty, thoughts on this weekend's golf? Um, some surprises, I would say. Obviously, Webb Simpson winning it. Um, golf's so remarkable. Did and and there's so much money win? to be made. No, there was nobody in our – we've got a 13-man group that uh, that picks all their players. We didn't have – not only did nobody pick Webb in the winter, <clears> we didn't have a single person pick one of the top four. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was tough. It was tough sledding this go around, especially after – um, one of our guys came out and picked one, two, and three uh, of the top three finishers um, in the Masters. So that we kind of got spoiled by that. I don't think that's going to happen much uh, anymore. Uh, however, uh, as I said, Ricky Fowler not making the cut, huge surprise. Uh, but I, was, I, I forgot to finish my statement. Uh, golf's so remarkable and there's so much money to be made. I heard somebody saying the other day, Webb Simpson has won two major championships now. Um, he won the U.S., correct? Uh, and then he won... Well, I guess this technically isn't a major. So should he um, be a household name or no? No, Webb, no. Because uh, I'm going to be honest, my first thought when I saw this was, who the hell is Webb Simpson? You what? may know him better as the man who was in, uh, interrupted during his U.S. Open victory speech oh, by, by, the bird bird man. Man. by the Birdman. Okay, that was okay. Webb. Webb and so I know him more for the Birdman than I actually know him for his golf. Yes, yeah, a, bit, a bit unfortunate for him. but Yeah, because okay, <laughs> that was my first man. thought. I didn't know who this guy was. Webb, is, like, Webb has made $14 million, and you don't know his name. No. He's I, made like $14 said, million dollars all, off of, off of in the, uh, the PGA, and he doesn't win that often. He just you makes know? cuts. If you just make cuts, there is so much money to be made in the PGA, man. It's so fun to watch. Um, I mean, he, 
for that alone, for the players alone, mm-hmm. he won two million dollars, uh, close to two million. Okay, well, here's a question: You said Ricky Fowler didn't make the cut, correct? You said Spieth dropped late because of that. Uh, hey, uh, quadruple baby. Some of those last holes can be very interesting. You talked about this being interesting because of the yeah. money made. Is this bad for golf that our top tier guys, no. the, the household names, are not? No. Finishing high? Is this no. bad for golf? Obviously, Tiger Woods isn't Tiger Woods anymore, and he used to be the big draw, getting people like me who aren't avid golf watchers to tune in and sit down and watch like I did this year at the Masters. I watched because I wanted to see how Tiger did. What kind of effect does this have on golf? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's much because golf has went through this non-star thing with Tiger being on his hiatus. Well, the biggest thing about it now, the biggest thing about now is, Jared, is, yeah, while you had those people that wanted to watch Tiger dominate, now you have even more people watching this influx of young talent. There are so many guys that can come out and win a tournament. And this is, I mean, this would probably be unheard of back in Tiger's heyday. You know, a big tournament and Webb Simpson winning it? I don't think that happened too often. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, But now, Webb Simpson, who's not as young as he used to be anymore, he's got a little gray in that beard. But you've got a bunch of young guys um, that have been on tour for a couple years now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, so they're starting to get into their prime of their career, and, and I, it's just a great time to watch golf. I, it, well, my, my rebuttal to that would be, uh, Ellie, I went with you and, uh, and Mercer to, uh, to a golf event, I believe, in Gainesville several years ago, and I can't remember all the golfers that were there. You can throw out some names, but I know Tiger was there. Ricky was there. And I know that we didn't even have to see Tiger. We knew where he was because of the crowd following him. So I, I guess what I'm saying is is the lack of success from people like him, like Tiger, and the younger the younger stars, you're saying that still doesn't affect it because of the influx, like how many up-and-coming stars yeah, and, and and golf right now. It doesn't matter how Tiger plays; he's still going to another big bring thing, that crowd. Another big thing if here he just plays is is how well everybody's playing. Like there have been absolutely record breaking scores winning these tournaments. Patrick Reed shot what was it eighteen under? Oh, was it eighteen? I think it was, I think it was, was eighteen under at the Masters. I think last year's winner was what six or seven? Seven. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So these guys are playing. Unbelievable golf right now, and and Webb Simpson, one of the players at nineteen, eighteen, I believe, and he actually and shot one over in the last round, threatened the fifty nine on I believe it was Friday, yeah, before hitting the ball in the water on seventeen again. And then at the Masters, you talk about Patrick Reed winning it. Uh, I know we got to go to a break because we want to get to the seventh inning stretch, but the the second biggest story I thought of the Masters was the Sunday's performance from Spieth, right when he caught all the way back up. What didn't he fall behind? And had a great Sunday? No, that was Tiger. Or Tiger had it? Tiger had a great Saturday. Saturday. See, I thought Spieth made a huge comeback and still finished just a little bit short. That was at the Masters. Yeah, that, I was talking about the Masters. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. I thought so. Because I, I, I was yeah. watching that day, and they said he played an incredible he, round. He nearly shot the major championship and course record. Yeah, and still couldn't win because of Patrick Reed. Yeah, that's that's what I was mentioning. Well, I, I was I was encouraged by Tiger's performance, and Saturday was it could have been better than it was. I know at one time I think they said the course record was ten. He could have got close to that. Course record is nine. Nine. And yeah, he, yeah. He could have broke the course record. Yeah, 10. he was eight, eight after twelve. And then Jason Day finishing fifth was one of my picks. But the one thing nobody's talking about that was the biggest surprise to me was my favorite Phil at eight over missing the cut. He uh, was just miserable. 
It, it was the shirt, man. But hasn't he struggled? He's got a digital work shirt. His, his dad's shirt, but it was just terrible. Eight over. He didn't have a good showing at the Masters either. You know what? I've heard people in other sport and some of the, the larger networks, radios, talking and criticizing about Phil's uh, apparel. Um, if we don't have any other golf, we need to try to get this thing rolling. But before we go to break, just a quick recap on uh, on, on the uh, Game 2 of the Eastern Conference Finals. We're just north of 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter with the score of 88-76. Boston leads that. Um, so, again, we're going to take another break. When we come back, we've got a new game for you in the seventh inning stretch. Uh, Mount Rushmore, I think you guys will really enjoy that. So we'll, uh, we'll be right back with that. Welcome back to 9 to 5 Sports. It's time for the 7th inning stretch. And this week we introduce a new game called Mount Rushmore. And here's how it works. The game is simple. The panelists will be given a certain category to which they will have to name the top four subjects. So, for example, if the category was colors, a panelist would list his top four colors in a brief description of why they are the best. So, with that, let's begin the first round of Mount Rushmore by asking the panel to name the top four sports franchises in America. Rob, we'll start with you. Name your top four that belong in the Mount Rushmore for sports franchises. All right. And then give us a brief description of why. First off, we've got the Dallas Cowboys. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Um... Front and center. I can I know. There's there's no Mount Rushmore. Some people are complaining. They haven't won but one playoff game. There is no Mount Rushmore without the Cowboys. But in my opinion, they make the world go round. They're the most valuable franchise. Breach. They're owned by the GOAT, Jerry Jones. Yes, sir. I love it. You know, I love it. He might have a retarded son named Steven, but we'll love Jerry. I love it. Um,. Next, I gotta go with my homer pick of the Boston Celtics. You got a homer pick with the Dallas Cowboys. You got homer picks all over the place on there. Not the last one. <laughs> the, the Celtics, um, they they've won the most championships. They had Red Auerbach, legendary coach, Larry Bird, legend, Bill Russell, legend, John Havlicek. They're all just legends. They Beat Magic. Had some great battles with Magic and the Lakers. Um, next, we got the Patriots. Just basically look, a homer pick. Look, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, Boston is title town. But <laughs> just look at how dominant they have been since Tom Brady has taken over for Drew Bledsoe in, in the regular season when he got hurt. It went all the way through the playoffs, and it's the success hasn't stopped yet. It probably... Probably won't stop until he quits. And with my last sports organization, best in the country, is Hendrick Motorsports of NASCAR. Tim Brown, where are you at? Stand up. That's right. And Austin Aldridge out there, newly acquired NASCAR fan. You know, they've had Jimmy Johnson, one of the best drivers. Jeff Gordon. I know people really don't like him, but he's one of the best drivers ever. You had the big name in Dale Earnhardt Jr., They've got the new kid in Austin Dillon. If it's a big name, they usually get him. Um, and that's, that's my top four. 
All right, we'll go on to my Mount Rushmore. Obviously, you don't have one without the Dallas Cowboys. They're America's mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grant, they they no longer hold the most Super Bowls. I believe the Steelers have that to themselves with six, right? Six, Bird. And then after that, it's the Cowboys, Patriots, and 49ers with five. Um, but you've got the 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 main cog in the NFL with the Cowboys. And they, they have the best home. Uh, star in. Obviously the best stadium in the league, best owner in the league. Oh, already yeah. a, an active owner that's already in the Hall of Fame. Hey, remind me, team remind helicopter. Me, remind me, who, who, uh, who, do you guys, who do you guys root for? He's got, a, he's got a, uh, a <laughs> one point... What was $1.6 billion training facility just put in? Yeah, yeah, he's rich. Um, he flies helicopter to stadium. Oh, God. You know, took took the team over, made Speaking some questionable decisions. I'm chest pains in here, but... That, <laughs> that, that just, uh, as soon as he took over, made some questionable decisions that uh, only led to three Super Bowls. So, out know, of four years. That, out of four years. Um, so, I'll, I'll definitely put the Cowboys on there. I'll put the New York Yankees up there. They've got 27 titles. Um, they've had so many historic teams. Uh, and they're, they're known for definitely their big-time spending. They're also known for the Steinbrenner owners. But I, I think you can't have a Mount Rushmore without them either. So I've got the Cowboys, the Yankees. I'm going to put the Lakers up there. I'm, I'm a big uh, big city guy when it comes to the NBA. I, I think the NBA is always better when the Lakers are good. You've had all-time greats like uh, Shaq, Kareem, um, Wilt Chamberlain, Kobe Bryant, James Worthy, Magic Johnson. If I didn't already mention him, the list goes on and on and on. Phil Jackson coaching there. so And, and, and it still shows today, like even when they're not great, all the Hollywood stars come and watch it there. Staples Center, I've always think that that would be an awesome place to watch again. So I think that they help make the NBA go. Um, and so I've got the Lakers up there. And my last spot goes to New England Patriots. Just what they've done the last 20 years with Belichick and Brady. Uh, acquiring five Super Bowls there with those two. I, I think you almost had to put those up, that team up there, not only because you know of, of how they've done marketing-wise, they're skyrocketing jersey sales with, with Gronkowski and Brady and all of them, but just their sheer ability to win consistently puts them up there alone. And so those are my four on my Mount Rushmore. Now we move to Elliott. Well, we all know who's going to be first on my Mount Rushmore as a – Born and raised Yankees fan, they obviously have to be number one. They have the most championships of anyone in any sport with 27. They, they've been an iconic franchise from coast to coast and overseas with their enormous amounts of jersey sales and sports merchandising. They've had, as Robbie said, iconic players throughout their history, as in Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Babe Ruth, Derek Jeter, Robinson mm-hmm. Cano, who the last two were homegrown. We didn't always buy our players. But speaking of buying, George Steinbrenner, also the greatest owner of all time. Wait, did you mention Robbie Cano? I did I mention Robbie Cano. I think he's been in the news lately for something else. <laughs> he there. did have a little, little bit of trouble today. I don't know something home. You know, he became an all-star <laughs> when he started hanging around Melky Cabrera. You know... <laughs> What he did. As the great George Steinbrenner said, you will lead, follow, or get the hell out of the way. Don't and <laughs> that has not stopped him as he continued to get what it required to win championships throughout his reign as owner of the New York Yankees. Um, second on my list is going to be the New England Patriots. As Jarrett said, they've been and just uh, resembled excellence throughout their ownership of Bob Kraft and 
being led by Bill Belichick. Tom Brady at quarterback, as Robbie mentioned, took over for Drew Bledsoe, and the Patriots took off. I began watching NFL a little bit later than these guys, so the Patriots are pretty much all I remember. They always beat my team, which is not fun, but they are consistently the best in the NFL, at least in my recollection. So the next would be the Lakers in the NBA. As Jarrett said, you think Staples Center, you see Jack Nicholson and all these other movie stars in the crowd. That's where everyone everyone wants to go. You have just numerous amounts of historic players. Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Will Chamberlain, James Worthy, Magic Johnson. The list goes on and on. And next on my list would be the Celtics, none other than the Lakers' arch rival. As Robbie said, Red Auerbach, all these legendary players. This... To me, it's one of the greatest rivalries that sports has ever seen. They they got nasty with each other. With each other. You've got Bird and all of these players. They did respect each other, but it, it would get chippy at times. And the Celtics having the most championships in the NBA, I think you have to put them on there if you put the Lakers on there. So that would be my top four. Ty, you're Mount Rushmore for sports franchises. Well, I am the hockey guy, so I feel obligated. Hold on, before to... let me interrupt you real quick. I'm sorry, I, I was looking at someone. Did you mention the Cowboys in yours? Uh, that would be a negative. Okay, so your Mount Rushmore is non-existent because it doesn't have the Cowboys. Ty, you're on yours. Uh, so apparently, mine's going to be non-existent as well because they don't have the most Super Bowl trophies, Lombardi trophies, uh, we'll get to that here in a second, but uh, as I said, I'm the hockey guy, I feel obligated to have the Montreal Canadiens in there, they have 23 Stanley Cup wins, uh, that's that's also, they had they had one pre-NHL too, uh, which was way back, so that, they actually have 24 if you want to count that one. Uh, if you count that one, then they've got 11 more than the next closest team, which would be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, it was a little bit different back in the day. There was only, uh, I think there might have been only about eight teams, uh, maybe even six. I think it was the original six. Um, but still, you've got 23 of them, uh, and I also understand that they haven't won one since 93. So it's been a while for the Montreal Canadiens, but um, the longevity that they've had throughout the years, uh, winning just about every year from 65 to 73. Mm. Um, so... The, the Canadians have just been an impressive, dominant force in the NHL. Then we're going to go, as you said, with, with the Cowboys. I'm going with Sixburg and the Pittsburgh Steelers. They, wow. have, they have the most Lombardi trophies. They handle things in the correct way. Uh, as we saw earlier this year, um, not too long ago actually, but Shazier uh, with the um, – what do you call it, the uh, paralysis, I'm sorry. Uh, he has the paralysis. They end up redoing his contract to where it's a signing bonus uh, instead of a salary, so he will, would be able to collect the money. Uh, they, just first-class organization that does things the right way all the way through, uh, and it doesn't hurt that they have the most Super Bowl trophies. Lakers and Celtics, for me, we've already talked about this uh, pretty, pretty much uh, with, uh, I believe, Robbie and... Elliot now, and um, you know if the if the Lakers didn't exist, the Celtics would have way more trophies, and if the Celtics didn't exist, then the Lakers would have a whole lot more trophies because they're. Uh, if you guys haven't watched the thirty for thirty 
on uh, the Celtics and Lakers battles throughout the years. You need to go watch that. It's, it's a two-part show. series, right? That was a fantastic yeah, I series. That the other night. Yeah, well, that was a really good show. Go watch that. That's a that's a huge um, recommendation for me. Next category should spark some healthy disagreement. Who belongs on the Mount Rushmore of all-time great NBA players? I'll start this one off. I think the obvious number one choice is Michael Jeffrey Jordan, six-time NBA Finals MVP, six-time NBA Finals champ, six and zero in those finals. Oh, he only made it there six years. Widely known as the. Okay. Oh, he's got six rings, right? Okay. Six and zero. Uh, oh, did he, did he ever lose known, in the first round? Did he ever lose in the first round? I think he did, didn't he? Widely known as the greatest, if not one of the greatest players in NBA history. So I've got Michael Jordan up there um, as the first spot. Second spot, I've got Wilt Chamberlain uh, as my second person on there. Let me uh, read off some stats here and see if you're interested in those. So I've, I've pulled up some things on Wilt Chamberlain. Here's the average point totals, and this goes uh, in order from the season of 1959 up until 1964. And, and through these seasons, he played in 80 games. This was before they moved to the 82-game schedule. Averaging 37.6 points in the 59 season. This is moving on to the 1960 season. 38.5 points. The 1961-62 season, Will Chamberlain averaged 50.5 points <laughs> per game. This man is the definition of dominance. This is also the same one who, uh, I'm sure everyone's familiar with the picture of the black and white uh, photo of someone holding up the 101. Wilt Chamberlain is the one who scored 100 points in a game. So averaging 50 points in an 80-game season. He was also season, a man with the ladies. He was. He claimed to have sexual relations with how many? I think oh, it was, it's... I think it was 25,000. It's so something, many. Something I, insane. Something they say all the NBA is his descendants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great quote. That's a great line. 50.4 points per game. Next season, 44.8 points per game. These numbers keep going. They're, they're in the high 30s. So I've got Will Chamberlain up there. My uh, my third on the list is Magic Johnson. I think he helped change the game. He he's, reminds me a lot of LeBron, really. He plays every position. He can guard spots one through five, play a lot of the point guard, ran the Showtime Lakers. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's actually in like a GM-type role now with the Lakers. He helps with the presidential operations. And then, I'm going to be honest, five, six years ago, I did not have this person on my Mount Rushmore, but what he's been able to accomplish uh, with his different teams and, and what I've seen this year. I, I have LeBron James on my Mount Rushmore. Uh, he's just continued to impress me year after year. Uh, his ability to, while he gets older, to maintain, if not improve, his level of play, uh, what he's done on and off the court as a professional, I have him uh, as my top, one of the top four players of all time right now, and he can definitely move up that list. Uh, as his career continues. So now we'll move to Elliot for his. I think you nailed it pretty well, Jarrett, but uh, Michael Jordan, obviously number one on my board. Of course. <laughs> uh, in my opinion, he's still the greatest player of all time. As we mentioned, I think it was last week we had this debate. Mm -hmm. LeBron rapidly closing in, but I still think I would let Jordan Fun play debate that. to have. Always a fun debate. Absolutely. As you said, 6-0 and in the finals, six six finals MVPs. That's, yep. that's an incredible stat right there. Just... When you think of basketball, you think of Michael Jordan. It's the posters, it's the shoes, it's everything about basketball. It's mm -hmm. Michael Jordan. Haynes. Everyone <laughs> thinks of Haynes. I mean, come on. Please. <laughs> uh, 
But, uh, I mean, just the, the incredible shots, clutch moments he's had, that's what everyone remembers. But, as I said, LeBron, I think, rapidly closing, so he's going to be number two on my board. I think, wow. he, I think he will soon catch Kareem for all-time scoring leader. I believe that will happen. As we've said, he continues to carry far less talented teams to finals and even winning finals. So yeah. I, I just think LeBron and Jordan are the two best players of all time, and they will go one and two on my list. Uh, as I was talking about scoring with LeBron James, and I alluded to Mr. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he will be third on my list. Yep. He is currently the all-time leading scorer in the NBA, and to quote the great Robbie Comer, basketball is about scoring. You need to score the basketball. Putting the ball through the basket. Right. Put the right. ball through they the don't keep track of blocks on the scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. Kareem was just an incredible scorer, similar to what KD is now, but even to a higher extent, I believe. <laughs> Next on my list is going to be the great Larry Bird. I believe he represents the old school NBA, and I think that needs to go on the Mount Rushmore. You talking about the shorty shorts? Or Absolutely. I think the they hair, need, I think they the should stash. Bring it back. I think they should bring it back. He had golden but, locks. Golden locks. But no, just his his craftiness and his intelligence about the game of basketball. He he went about it a different way. He didn't. He wasn't gifted with great athleticism or anything. And I just think he brings something different to the table. And I think that needs to be represented on our mount, on my Supposedly the biggest trash talker. Yeah, I was about to say, also known as one of the biggest trash talkers in NBA history. Absolutely. And he'd come play. out and say, I'm going to put 40 up on you today. And he'd do it. He'd come out and do it. Absolutely. And in the NBA, you, you kind of need to have a little bit mm-hmm. of that. That's right. Ty, let's hear your Mount Rushmore. Just because you guys went Jordan first, I wasn't going to actually order these things because, I mean, I guess it really they're, all, they're, they're, the they're, up they're all up there. All they're all up there. Their faces are up there That's on the true. mountain. They don't have to be ordered. But I'm going to go ahead and say LeBron first. How about that? <laughs> uh, we've talked about it uh, in, you know, I mean, we beat this course to death, honestly. Uh, he's, he's one of the best players to ever do it, along with Jordan. Um, the stats don't even need to be said, really. Uh, now, the one that I will throw a little wrench in there, um, I've got Kobe Bean Bryant oh, from yeah. Lower Marion High School. I love that pick, too. Um, I, one of my favorite players of all time. I love Kobe. If you're going to put Jordan up there, I, I think you would be remiss to put to, mm. to, to, to leave out Kobe because Kobe has everything that Jordan had, really. Um, he's He's been noted as the knockoff of Michael for just about his entire career, uh, I think that's a little unfair. But uh, the, the the guy was good at what he did. He worked very hard at his craft. Yep. And uh, he changed the way people trained for the NBA season. Uh, Not Magic. Sure there was is, a harder worker. Yeah, Magic is the last one. Jarrett said it. He changed the game. Yep. Um, he's probably the reason LeBron is the way he is now. The the way that. Ben Simmons is the way he is can now. Play all five spots. You can play all five spots. Really can guard everybody if you're that big and you're that versatile enough. Uh, you know why not? So and it's not my... unnormal to see people like Magic and LeBron to play point guard most right. of the game. They can do that. And if they you need to play the four, you play the four just as Ben well. Simmons has been listed as a point guard sometimes. So. Yeah, I think he actually was the point guard there towards he the was. season like yeah. that. So Rob, uh, what are we on? Uh, uh, NBA players, you're Mount Rushmore. Well, I'm going to go with the most overlooked players, overlooked player that I can think of that all of you failed to recognize, and the most dominant player we have probably seen in the whole I don't know. In Shaquille I, O'Neal. The Diesel. The Diesel. The, the Shaq Daddy. The big Aristotle. Shaq Daddy. Shaq-tus. 
just I don't know how he's not on there. He's massive, unguardable. <laughs> well, he'd take up the entire mountain. Fallon, bring it down. Fallon, <laughs> it'd be by himself. It, it could be him by himself if it's okay with me. But he, you know, Kobe was jealous of him. Uh, I don't Kobe, know about Kobe that. Came in, I don't know about Kobe that. Kobe came in out of practice, and he'd walk in and see Shaq sitting there with a bag of hamburgers eating. Yeah, I don't Shaq's know that that means jealous. Kobe was 100% jealous of uh, him. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think Kobe Dean Bryant was jealous of anybody. Kobe was definitely jealous. Yeah. And That's debatable. It's a debate for another day. Shouldn't get angry over hamburgers. But next, <laughs> no, in no particular order on this, but Michael Jordan, obviously... Not even going to read the six championship thing. It's obvious. Then you got LeBron. So we all have LeBron. And Michael. And Jordan. Yes, we yeah. do. Okay. And my last one, I'm going to go with the most rings with Bill Russell. I can see Celtic. that. And coach. He's yep. a player and coach. I think he has the most rings of any player and coach. That's right. He had 11 rings, I believe it was. And he was back in the shorty short days, and he still hands out. He's still in good enough health to hand out his finals MVP trophy every year at the finals. Yeah, I really do like Bill Russell. And before we move on to our last category for uh, for this game, I, I, by the way, I really like this. I think this is cool. Um, I think it says it's a testament of how many players could actually make the Mount Rushmore. There's so many great players, so many great winners in the history of basketball that all four of us had Jordan and LeBron. I think that says something about those two players in particular. Um before we move on, our, our very last topic is probably the most important thing we'll talk about on the show. Uh, do we have any updates, Ty, on the Cavaliers and Celtic game two? 107 Boston, 94 Cleveland. So, what, Is that a final? 10 seconds, uh, to go. 10 seconds to go, so most likely. So Boston's going to take this one. Yeah, Boston's taking game two. Yeah, okay, so, so the Celtics have taken a two-game lead, two to nothing, and some people say it's not a series till the home team loses, so it's up to Cleveland now. Uh, to, to win a game at home. Finishing out the seventh inning stretch, this is the most important topic we've got. Oh, we skipped the uh, movies. Yeah, that's what we're going, we're going to oh, do. Yeah. That's, oh, that's what I'm saying. This is the most I w- important I would, one. Before we move on, I would like to add just two more quick things. As Ryan Painter said, Larry Bird needed to retire for Michael Jordan to win a championship. So that would oh, reinforce my stance for Mr. Bird. And also, <laughs> if, if we were doing a Mount Rushmore for moments... I think we would have to put Mr. Tracy McGrady on there. I mean, this man scored 13 yeah. points in 30 I seconds in an NBA wild. game. That's I think true. that should be a different time, different. Uh, oh, that'd be a, oh, we're, we're going to have and that. I know one for that. If I know a lot of you probably remember when Joe King Noah stole the ball from um, Paul Pierce. I say we just had a conference because they definitely did win that series. He went down the court. I think that might be. had a not really nice slam dunk one hand jam. Paul Pierce fouled him. That was a foul out as well. Is that the Wolves winning that game? Is that has been mentioned. We are done here. Is that uh, the year the Celtics beat the Bulls? The next topic will be the Thank four God. greatest movies of all time. Todd, we'll let you start out with your Mount Rushmore of movies. I'm not going to say that these are the greatest of all time. I'm just going to say that these are my favorites. Um, if, if we're sitting down to watch a movie, these are the ones that I'm hoping uh, are picked for the, uh, for the viewing. So I'll say any of the Star Wars. Absolutely. Uh, any of them at all. I don't think you can have a Mount Rushmore without them on it. It Except, changed uh, American history. Let's, let's leave the prequels as, out. As for, for Star Wars avids, let's leave the prequels out, and then we'll be okay with See, that. See, you're statement. not you're not 
you're not about it. I'm all about the prequels as well. I love. Uh, I think they're important, and we can't talk about this because we'll get off track. We'll lose track of time, but the prequels. Are, eh. I do yeah, like. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. put them on my Mount Rushmore. I do like Anakin. Mozart starts our books. Please. Steadle. Next Steadle. movie. All right. Uh, for the love of the game. Uh, I don't know if any. This is probably not one that's uh, in a lot of people's minds. That's not Costner. Uh, that is, is Kevin Costner. Okay. Kevin Costner is a plays a pitcher. He plays Billy Chapel, and it goes back through his life, through uh, what he's been doing mm-hmm. in his pro career and, and how he's handled himself. One of my favorite movies of all time. Um, after that, you got Talladega Nights. Oh, anything the Will Ferrell could Bobby. Any, I could have really been broad on this as well and said anything Will Ferrell. You ain't first, you last. That's right. But exactly, if you ain't first, you last. So you're going on the you're going on the uh, Mount Rushmore. Um, and then my final one is Moneyball. Uh, I love Billy yeah, I love watching um, that movie, and it just it shows what. Those teams that don't have the money of the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox or even now the Chicago Cubs and the L.A. Dodgers, if you're not in a big market, it's very tough to win, and you get to see inside of what those general managers, what those scouts, what all, what that entire organization has to go through and what they are looking for in players and, uh, and how trades go down. It's, it's just really cool look on the inside part of baseball. So that's my Mount Rushmore. Those are my favorite. All right, Rob, we're on to you. Well, you'll be able to tell a little bit about my sense of humor from my choices. And number one has got to be Step Brothers. Classic Will Ferrell movie, yeah, John C. Riley. That's hilarious. Great pick. Probably won't ever be beat, honestly. Um, number two is coming in strong with um, Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, another know. great one. You've got the, a lot of people Uncle don't Rico. know, but on a ratio of dollars spent to make the movie and profit or revenue from the movie, it is the highest grossing movie ever made. They were on a tiny budget. It looked like made, it too. It did look like it, but you can't. I love the music. I love take my a favorite. Minute, take my a favorite minute and scene listen to that soundtrack. You, my favorite scene is when you throw out the action figure of the bus. Oh, I, I, I could debate you on that one. My favorite scene is always when Uncle Rico sidearms that stake and hits them holy right yeah, that's a, off his That is a good one. Maybe the Browns should have looked at Uncle Rico for this uh, Maybe first pick. Maybe he might have been as good as Kaiser. Um, now, third here, i got a curveball that these three aren't going to see coming. And it would have to be Jim Carrey in The Mask. Oh, you do love this movie. Man. I do. One, probably that is a good one. One of my favorites. Not sure if it's a, my, a Mount Rushmore, but that is a good one. I like that. It's just one I watched countless. I can't, I can't even count how many times I've seen that movie over my childhood and continue to watch it. And lastly is a double-up pick with Ty with the Fear Not First or Last, Talladega Nights. I'll throw in this uh, about the, uh, the, the mask movie. I think my favorite scene from that one is when he first puts on the mask and he's... He's in his apartment uh, out in the hallway, and he's chasing that alarm clock, and he brings out that huge hammer, that almost like an anvil thing, and just smacks that alarm clock. And when when the thing says, quiet, please. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just love that. It makes me want to watch it right now. That, that is a good pick, good surprise pick. Um, I think it's down to me now for, for the movies, and uh, on there first, I've... For anyone that knows me, they won't be surprised by any of these picks. But my first one is The Dark Knight. So in the uh, 
the Christopher yeah, Nolan that, trilogy. Uh, that's, a good one. that's the middle one with uh, with Heath Ledger's Joker. Uh, I think that was just a great all-around movie. I, I love Batman since I was little. And I, I thought the acting was great. I thought the directing was great. The story fit Did you say so the well. movie or the trilogy? Um, I'm just talking about the, the movie The Dark Knight. I, I, I really don't think that trilogy would be big, ever. That, oh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, but if I was to pick a movie to go in my Mount Rushmore, it would be The Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh, the one with the Heath Ledger. Right, right. Uh, the next one is, I think, the one of the greatest... I mean, obviously, I think it's one of the best of all time. It's in my Mount Rushmore, but... Uh, the Empire Strikes Back, I think that's the best movie from the best series of movies that there is, the, the Star Wars saga. Empire Strikes Back, I think, has, it, it's action-packed, there's a lot of twists in the movie, uh, it follows uh, A New Hope perfectly, and it, it sets up a great, uh, another great film with... Uh, the Return of the Jedi. So I'm going to go The Empire Strikes Back, a George Lucas directed film there. Um, third, I put a Christmas movie in there. I love National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So <laughs> this is a shout out for Chevy anyone Chase. that has not familiar. Right, that's right, Chevy Chase. If you're not familiar with The Christmas Vacation, just sit down and watch it. It doesn't even have to be Christmas time. Um, I love that movie. I could watch it over and over and I laugh at the same parts. Over and over. Sugar's full. It's, it's a great yeah, film. That's the best part. It is. That's probably one of my favorite parts. Um, there's so many to go through you know, with that movie, and it's a great movie to watch at the holidays. Me and my family actually watch, watch try to get that uh, in, in each Christmas. Um, so Christmas Vacation, my third. And my fourth, I wanted to pick a movie. I wanted to try to like spread these out, and so I picked a movie from my childhood. Uh, probably my favorite childhood and animated film is Toy Story, and I'm talking about the first one. So, you know, the introduction of Buzz Lightyear, I love that movie. We actually just watched this the other week. Any of those um, could be on there. I enjoy it as much today as I enjoyed it back at home. I, I can quote a lot of the movie. I still look up uh, some videos and show my younger sister, and she gets a kick out is of it. Is there a so. more iconic animated character than Woody and Buzz? Oh, there is no better duo. And, and uh, just a quick note on that, they're making a, uh, a, a theme park. Toy Story yeah. theme park opens this year in Disney World. But the kids these days that... And I feel sorry for the parents that don't introduce them to Toy Story. It's oh, a great, I show it when I saw great it. Great movie. And it's it's it's, it. it's it's a great story too. It's a great message. One through three, they're they're fantastic movies. So Toy Story uh, finishes out uh, my Mount Rushmore. And I, I, again, guys, I, I think this was a great uh, seventh inning stretch topic to go over. And we're going to take one final break, and we come back. We got the two minute drill for you uh, before we close out the show. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to 9 to 5 Sports. We're just about done with the show. Before we get to our closure, I'm going to give our two-minute drill to Ty Comer. He's got a nice rant built up, and he's ready to unleash. So, Ty, take it away. All right, here we go. Uh, first of all, I'm going to start off by saying, Jordan, I love you, buddy, but uh, I, I'm going to have to put a stop to this. Not only is Jordan like this, but there are so many people out there like this as well. Uh, I think I've kind of covered this with the whole DD thing uh, early on the year if you've listened to all of our podcasts um, 
there are way too many people that freak out so easily, and it's it's partly media, it's it's partly uh, you know just having everything at the touch of our fingers, and everything is just such a reactionary decision. Jordan, you got to calm down, my brother. After we lost in the playoffs last year, I'm talking about the Nationals. It's fire, Dusty. It's fire, Rizzo. It's fire, this fire, that. You have wanted everybody fired at every turn of the go, like every turn. Uh, tonight, <laughs> we tonight is the best instance when you text me. We're down 2-0 to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you already tell me that this is over and that we're going back to Tampa 2-2. Two to two. We have just put up some of the best hockey that the Capitals have played in years. In years. And we've been the best team in hockey for the past three years. And you want to talk to me about, well, we're going back to Toronto tied 2-2. Two to two. <laughs> you jump off the bandwagon and on the bandwagon so quickly, I ain't never seen it before in my life. It's unbelievable. You have got to calm down, man. Stop. Everything that comes to your mind, you have to think about it a little bit more, you know? Like, don't freak out when the Capitals lose one game by two goals, by the way. They fought back pretty hard at the end of the night. That ought to show you that, hey, maybe they aren't just giving up on games. Also, maybe if we stop making stupid penalties, which we did tonight that we haven't done in the past few nights, maybe we can win those two. Uh, You've got to think things through and stop reacting so heavily on just a snap of the fingers. All right. Well, that was that was well said. Because uh, I think Marshall needed a little bit of that. Um, that's actually going to do it for this week's 9 to 5 podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. And remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and check us out on the Anchor Podcast app. We have Facebook and Twitter, and we know you do. Follow the 9 to 5 Sports page for updates on the show, questions to the audience, show previews, and more. Remember to tell your friends and family about us, and we'll see you next week on 9 to 5.